Hi, this is Flawless, a music podcast, and this is a special edition backstage at Girls Rock Fest Brisbane. We have lanyards and t-shirts and we're interviewing all the bands to ask them what they think their flawless records are in 10 minute spurts, sliced together, and this is the second episode for your amusement. Oh, hello! Uh, my name's Jamie, I'm the drummer. I'm Mark, I'm the bassist. And I'm Tim, I'm the singer and guitarist of Buttercats. 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 Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That was seamless, guys. Nice guys. Thank you so Thank much. You. Butter, 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 butter cats. Buttercats. 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 It's good for chanting it's, it's very if you ever want to. Yeah. Yeah. It is, actually. So, what album did you nominate? Today we've nominated Woman by Rye. I'm a fool for the shake in your I'm a fool for the sound in your songs I'm a fool for your belly I'm a fool for your love Which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is 2013, is that right? I agree, yes, yeah, I agree. 2013 well. on Polydor. Yeah. Yes, That's not it. an unlucky year. Some might, people might tell you it was an unlucky year, the 13th. It was not. It was not an unlucky year for music. That was a good year. Did they release it good on a Friday though? Uh, I don't believe that. Good. They that's, all have, that's I think all out on a Friday, don't they? Whoa. Oh, really? Well, yeah. That's actually wow. That would be a crazy... It's to chart them. Yeah, it's oh. to chart yeah. them the weekend. Well, thank right. you. Right. Thank you. I know that it was March 1st, <laughs> We actually, laugh and we laugh. 2013. March 1st. It was. Wow. It was. Right. on Friday. Yeah. And it was their debut album? Yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Debut. Okay, yeah. so what brought you three delectable people into bringing this record as your flawless album? It's a very good question. Uh, should we tell the honest truth? It okay. was a Facebook Messenger poll. Between uh, the three of us. Between the three no, of us. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We, yeah. We, the three of us have pretty slightly differing tastes in the way yeah. that all of us agreeing on a whole album is a bit tricky. But um, yeah. So when we came this, together, Rye was our connector. Yeah. We knew that we all loved this one. We yeah. do. Nice. That's really special if you can get three people to come to we, consensus. Yeah. We can't get three people to come to a consensus. Yeah, I know. We've only, we've only had two of you here now. Yeah, <laughs> like one, one's had to go home, so uh, yeah, there you yeah. go. Oh, that's awesome. So, yep, Canadian-Danish R&B duo. Oh. So I wasn't expecting that one coming from a Girls Rock day. Well, no longer a duo is no. my understanding. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, they just they the split owner. pretty quickly, I yeah. think. Yeah, and, so, and then done. I actually was listening to a podcast a couple of months ago where Mike Milos, like the the main guy in inverted commas um he was kind of talking and he was sort of like i pretty much wrote the whole thing and that guy almost had nothing to do with it, <laughs> it was right. my, and so i always wonder what this other guy what's his name robin hannibal yeah um, it's a great name we did it's a fantastic good name for an how, evil villain they must have fallen out pretty bad i think yeah. judging yeah, by that true. podcast yeah, sure yeah, yeah. Ah, fair enough. But the the collaboration, whether it was a collaboration or not, worked mm. enough for you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Still love yeah. this record. Now, did you, when did you first hear this record? Uh, uh, oh, please. I'm well, afraid. the first time I heard it was sitting um, in this super schmancy hotel in Paris with my friend who we were, we flew over there to play some music <laughs> and um, <laughs> we were sitting on the ground drinking nice wine and she was like, man, you've got to check out Rye. And it was... Uh, it was open, which is the first one on the album, and I listened to it, and I was just like, "This is the best." That's what I did. And yeah, ever since then, that was kind of the soundtrack for me for a while. When did you guys follow up on the Paris story? Yeah, yeah. Please follow up on the Paris. Yeah, yeah. Well, we heard it first in Australia, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think we. I was in Australia. I was. I was outside of Brisbane actually. Yeah, I was just inside of Brisbane. Holy shit! And it was a floor. It was just yeah. What what a time. Yeah, I remember, I remember, it was actually, Jamie, it was you that put it on. We were driving out with our parents to look at a property or something. Our parents love to drive around and look at properties. Timmy and I are brother and sister. We are, cool. yeah. That makes more sense now. And, yeah. and um, it was like a beautiful rainy day. It was a little bit cold and Jamie was like, I, I've just been to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and I've come back with this amazing album. Um, we should listen to it. And I remember I had a similar moment. You put it on and I was just like, holy crap. This is, is amazing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So that's our next question normally is, did it grab you right from the start or was it a bit of a slow yeah, burner? But it sounds like Absolutely. it grabbed everybody it right from the start. Definitely from the, from the get-go. Yeah. It's, the just, it's just such a unique feel. And yeah, it is. As soon as it starts, you can just hear it somehow 
really groovy and funky, but still so subtle. So soft. The yeah, sounds are so, so much soft space. on this whole album that it's, it, it hits you, but it doesn't hit you. It yeah. doesn't yeah. hit you hard, but it hits you right deep. Yeah. It hits you right <laughs> That's deep. That's gorgeous. Beautiful. So there was uh, the duo, or maybe solo, who knows? I, 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 think, duo. I would Let's say, say duo. duo. Plus nine other musicians, including pretty much a chamber orchestra, a harp, and a flugelhorn mm. as some of the other instruments. Um, that's rare for something that you would class as an R&B yeah, yeah. record. So is that the kind of thing that got yeah. you into yeah. it? Okay. I, I think something like something about having such like soft something that grabs me is like the sounds are so soft and yeah. like velvety and stuff but yeah. then they use these soft velvety sounds and make it this funky groovy because we all three of us yeah. went and saw them yeah, yeah we did um a while ago too and you could just move to it the whole time um which is so cool with yeah, the soft yeah. Sounds. and just despite the fact that there's so much instrumentation it's again like you said it's so subtle yeah the main sounds that you really shine through are the synths like there's a lot of synth on that yeah. album mm-hmm. um and it's and it's again it's not harsh synth it's always it's very soft it's very it just you know it's very it's a warm hug it was a warm hug very good yeah. I ran out of words that's great <laughs> that's nice were there particular tracks on the album that grabbed you mm. I love Three Days mm. I do love that song mm. Three Days Three Days yeah. to feel each other and yeah another thing I like like I like that song because the lyrics are often because obviously he has a very feminine beautiful high voice yeah but he uses it and often the lyrics are like quite, quite harsh and cutting. Like yeah. the chorus of that song is "Got three days to fill each other, got three days to sing this song," and it's just like, it's like quite. The whole song is just about having three days to just have this really crazy, passionate thing. But he's just like, Ooh, yeah. 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 oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure we all assumed uh, the lead singer was female. Yeah, I yeah, I'm sure. I'll put my hand up for that one. I yeah. totally yeah. did before yeah. I like. Yeah. I try to listen to it once before I look up or anything or do anything. It's like yeah. okay. It's woman. It's a woman singing. And it's, yeah. that's cool. It's Let's cool. go yeah, with that. Then, yeah. And then like, it was like, oh, it's this thing. The it was like it's these two men. I'm like, oh, but who was the woman singing? They must have like got a guest vocalist in. Or something. And then ah, oh. it is insane. very confusing. Totally it is. You can't yeah. believe. Yeah. You can't believe that it's him. Yeah. And the album being called Woman, especially like yeah. surely yeah. they did that as a bit of a and joke, the artwork right? a a as well. well. The well, artwork yeah, with I, being like topless, kind of just upper chest, like collarbones of a woman. So the photo is of his. Then wife, yeah. really yeah. naked. Yeah. I did not and know that. And then for the second album, they broke up. And then for the second album, he got his new girlfriend yeah. and, oh, uh, and took a yeah. photo of her naked and put that on and the cover. Because so. he, oh he used God. to be a, a fashion photographer too. So I he takes the photo. Yeah, know very artsy photo. That's it's not just crazy. naked ladies for the sake yeah. of naked ladies. I wonder what his. Yeah. Wonder how his first wife feels yeah. about <laughs> that. That is such an intense album to have as a memento for your relationship. My God. Holy crap. But yeah, and his um, I feel like his songs. Like when I was listening to it today and really listening to the lyrics and stuff, I think he was quite an angsty lover, a bit totally. of an anxious. Oh, yeah. But like <laughs> he, um, so he like has so much passion in it, and also like some of his lyrics are really almost violent. Yeah. Like, what's that song where it's like? Shed some blood. Yeah, and it's Shed like blood. all about I'll, I'll kill you and stuff basically, oh, yeah. but it's just like that passionate like. Yeah, I love yeah, you so yeah. much. I want to kill you, Mind kind of blood. thing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's and no raw. one called the authorities at any point after they heard <laughs> that. Just like maybe there's something we should. No, we'll just record it and everything's fine. We have everything's a second. We have a second partner now. It's We're art. all good. There's a new album. <laughs> so the second album was called Blood, and that came out in 2018. Yep. Do you have that? Oh yeah. We do. Yes. I've got it on vinyl. I play it all the time. Nice. Oh, mm. yeah. Sweet. We so like. How do, you, how do you think it stacks up against the first one? I don't feel that it compares as well. It's still a great album. If it was a standalone, I would be very, very impressed. And I am impressed. But the first album to me is just unbelievable. It's, nice. it's all time. I've actually, I, I've had it grow on me a lot. And it's, there's a lot more acoustic drums and stuff in it too, yeah. which gives it a, a nice feel in my uh-huh. world. In your role? Um, yeah. So I was going to say, actually, um, has listening to this record like passionately influenced your music because you yeah. can't nod for a podcast you have to say it out loud yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true i'm nodding i'm nodding I'm, I'm about to say yes the yes. answer is yes definitely and again it was it goes back to the synths i think i mean since since have become very very cool again and it's a very very in sound again uh but back in 2013 i probably wasn't thinking about them as much as i am now and that album had a big probably a big role in um in you know me buying since I, w- I would even think True. I mean it's just so they're just so gorgeous yeah and velvety mm. I think 
for me as well a rye like sort of made me relax with I think a lot of drummers have to go through this thing of practicing and practicing and practicing and then realizing that all you really want to play is really really simple really soft stuff mm -hmm. and so rye kind of made me feel okay to do that like when I listened to that and I really listened to the drums I was like man this is so simple and there's so much space so mm. yeah it gave me a lot awesome yes and do you put your falsetto on and try and have a high-pitched, more feminine I voice? I do not try and sing like Fair he enough. does. No, I do not. <laughs> I don't think that would work quite as well. No, I we have tried it. Enough. We have tried it. The yeah, day I, after we went and saw Rye play, we tried a song. Yeah, don't can, get me wrong, I like that, to sing that, falsetto. That singing that you... Keep it away, keep it away from me, babe. Can you, can you sing that? Ah, give it a little, okay. a little whirl. Um, keep it away from me, babe. Yeah. I'm trying to act my angel, but it's getting clear to me now that we're not on quite the same page. Oh, Fantastic yeah. first ever live song on yeah. Force, which is awesome. I know, right? Like I keep trying, and the boys yeah. hold me back. Uh, <laughs> just no one, no one play it to the guy who sings in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So, Thank um, you. having listened to you guys online, the way I dance, I could obviously hear like some of this, in, some of the kind of influences, and and it made a lot more sense to me because I hadn't heard your music properly. Like I heard your name, um, but I hadn't heard your music properly. And I heard Ryan, I was like what this, this is the album someone's put forward <laughs> and then i listened to you and went oh it all makes so much yeah. sense no, no. <laughs> yeah. so which is sure. why i was really interested in your influences and how you thought it was a that's flawless record nice. that's cool and you came to consensus yeah three sure people. pretty good yeah, absolutely. yes we did good old so do you have a final pitch so if someone's never heard this record before and they had to listen to one song or like something like that what would you say they would have to listen to look I would say open. Yeah. I would say it's number one. The it's track. the first song yeah. on the track. It's a single. It's got everything you want. Yeah. It's the, it's the song. Close it your eyes, lie down, and make sure there's some kind of light breeze. Yeah. And just breathe. Yeah. Listen to right. Totally. And it helps if you're in a romantic situation, perhaps possibly full of angst. <laughs> possibly not sure what's going on in your life. Listen to open. Yeah. It, it suits so many moves. Exactly. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> awesome. So you'd go with open as mm -hmm. your recommendation. Thank you so much cool, for bringing yeah. this. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thanks so much having for coming you. in. It's been lovely. Yay! Yay! My name is Adele Pickfans. I'm from the band Adele and the Chandeliers, and I nominate um, a record by Lou Reed called New Sensations. It's my favourite album right now. You do what you gotta do. You do everything you can. You do what you wanna do. Hey, but I love you, Suzanne. You do anything once. Right now. Awesome. Right now. Right. So it yeah, changes? Yeah. It does change. <laughs> Sensational, Adele. Everyone's favourite band changes every five minutes That's or so. right. Yeah. That's why it's really um, kind of difficult. Not difficult, but it, it does change, doesn't it? I yeah. find, mm -hmm. depending on what you... When you walk into a record store and you walk out with something and then that's, that's your new favourite record. So that's what happened to me when I came across this one. Vinyl. A record. Vinyl. There we go. On huh? vinyl. The ritual of vinyl. Yeah, it was. It was a find. So... I walked into a record store in Brisbane and I heard this music and I went, whoa, I really like that. So I went up to the, the record store person and said, what is that? And I said, I want to buy it. And he went, okay, great. And I, he took it off the turntable and I walked out with it. Nice. Jeez. That's, that's a how nice, simple, it was. simple tale. <laughs> that's there you go. That's beautifully impulse. Did you know that it was Lou Reed at the time? Yes. I mean, he's, very, he's got the distinctive voice yep. of Lou Reed. Um, I think it was also the... Um, the band as well, which I'm a, a big fan of. I'm a bass player, so okay. I kind of zone in to, a, you know, if something captures me on bass, especially, um, it, if it stands out, then I'm I'm in on the record as well. So that was one thing that stood out. Cool. 
Yeah. Nice. So, so whereabouts in the on the on the on the song track, where, whereabouts on the on the album were you when you when you heard when you walked in? I mean, it's so it was, fortuitous. Yeah, it was yeah. the actual name of the album. There's a song called New Sensations, yes. and um, it's it's the bass player Fernando Saunders. It's him, basically, nice. <laughs> and it's all about his bass playing. And he's, he's, it was really cool, actually, because when I heard this, and um, it's so playful and so kind of poppy, and but fretless bass, which we don't see and hear so much yeah. fretless bass anymore. Oh, wow. It's mm-hmm. kind of been, for, you know, it was a real 80s thing, wasn't it? It was something that kind of was more prominent in the 80s, you know, um, all that slidey wah, 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 wah stuff. But he was doing it. And that's what caught my ear. And then what happened was, when I got the record home, I went on to social media. As one does. And I found him. Right. And ah. Fernando Saunders. And then suddenly he responded. And that oh, is even much yes. a, it was such a thrill <laughs> for him to kind of respond. Because I just said, you know, I played the record like, you know, when you get a record home and you play it like five times over and over and over. Because I had Absolutely. a day off and I was just, you know. And that was something you used to do as a, a kid as well. I used to do that a lot as a kid. You mm. know, you get the record, he's side a side b and um yeah it was just something that i connected with him as as on social media and that was even more of a bonus nice. so That's when was it cool. that you so found there, so this it definitely record. wasn't when it came out in 1984 if you no. with him on social media yeah so this was like it's only recent only two months ago all oh, right okay. yeah yeah nice. so like i say it's a new record for me yeah. yes and it's my favorite it's still on the t- turntable now so when I go home, if I'm Friday night or, you know, home alone and just kind of feeling the need to just listen to some good music, that's my go-to record. Cool. Very yeah. good. And a random discovery on... Just completely yeah. random, yeah. And I, I, I mean, Lou Reed, you know, the Velvet Underground, um, obviously a big connection there with... Um, you know, I spent being a band called The Go-Betweens and there's a real nice connection there with... Lou Reed, the Velvet Underground, it's very inspired, I suppose, mm. the go-betweens were from that band. And then, and I believe Lou, you know, he's got such a, an ability to capture New York. Like, he's a real New Yorker. Mm. Yeah. And he has the, I feel with that record, that he has the ability to capture the, the street and the smell and the, the characters and the, the, what you're doing on a Friday night and the girlfriend mm. and the standing in a telephone booth. I mean, I've, I've watched Getting a video. Getting high in the city. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, you watch a video and it's it's pretty daggy stuff. I mean, he's he's a bit cheeky. He's a bit mm. rude, is Lou. But he's also um, just keeps it real and keeps it raw. And I love that sense. It feels like you're in New York in the in the mid-80s. and. Sure. Not that I've ever been to New York in the mid-80s, but that's the kind of... <laughs> but if you were to, that would... You felt like you were. You could have. I feel like I was. He transported cool. you I was there. transported there, you know, and I was eating like, I don't know, whatever people eat in yeah. New York in cool. the mid-80s. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Right. Hot dogs yeah. off yeah. the street. Yeah. Right? Street food. Uh, Hot pretzels. Street food. Pretzels yeah. and maybe having a really bad coffee or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adele, do you have any other um, Lou Reed albums? I do have a live... Um, yeah, I mean, I have Transformer, of yep. course. Uh-huh. I have some Velvet records. Um, you know, they're not actually on record. They're on tape. Nice. Again, cool. I walked into a record store. This is what happens to me. I know I <laughs> my ear and I go, what's that? Yeah. I want it. If I, I open a now. store, I'm inviting you every time I <laughs> yeah, get something yeah. new. In, I'll be like, <laughs> so musicians on. out there, don't underestimate the value of having your music played in stores because yeah. you will literally grab people. I do all the down. time. Yeah, I buy a lot of stuff. If I walk in, it's like, well, it sounds really good. And, um, and, you know, that's when you're flicking through stuff. And it was a live um, recording from the 90s when the Velvet Underground kind of all got together. And I guess for me it was a realisation also how many records has Lou Reed made? Yeah. You know, from the Velvets yeah. to his solo projects. And how many lyrics does he have to remember? <laughs> because yeah, sure. it's, it's not just... You know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, like four lines. Yeah. His lyrics nah. go on. He tells stories. Yeah, and he does. He's sure. a real great storyteller. And that's the other thing that I lo- love about this new Sensation record is, again, it's just the stories. and the. This I is f- apparently his 13th so- solo album in 84. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah. What? And yeah. he kept going. Prolific. Yeah. And he kept going until he passed away. Yeah. Like he just didn't stop. Yeah. And he did go through a period, I believe, after the Velvets. I mean, you know, we know that he, he dabbled a little bit into drugs and alcohol, which 
things, you know, sure. probably slowed him down a little bit in the, the music or didn't, I think that record, the new Sensation Records, was something that it got back into the charts again. He was suddenly it. back in. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't, like, get to number one, but it got into the no. top 100 Top 100, or so. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite an up... Musically, it's quite an upbeat record for him. Like, I'm not hugely familiar with his entire catalogue, as if I'm not sure how you could be. But <laughs> yeah, for, I was like, oh, it's going to be a Lou, Lou Reed record. It's going to be a bit, you know, darker. It's like, the music is really poppy it enough. Is, yeah. But the themes of the stuff he's singing about are still Lou Reed themes. Yeah. So it's like, one of my favourite ones on there was Endlessly Jealous, yeah, where it's yeah. just this really dark... Like, he's mentally tearing himself apart for how terrible a person he is. But the music is super fun and happy. And it's like, this it's free, it freaks me out even more listening to it like that. I love that, yeah. Um, and my Red Joystick. I mean, that's one yeah. song. I mean, that's tongue-in-cheek, isn't yeah. it? Mm. <laughs> red Joystick. I mean, what's he talking yeah. about? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, like you say, it's up, it's bouncy. And then, um, yeah, it kind of... It is very street, isn't yeah. it? It's very New York. And he, he has a way of kind of um, making it real, I suppose. Mm. Considering he, at that point he was obviously very famous to still be able to write about grittiness sometimes yeah. everything else, mm. but not in that really fake, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in my penthouse and I'm talking about That's the right. streets. He just seems like he probably does walk around at 2 a.m. sometimes and he's in New yes. York and gets to see all of the dirt and whatever yeah. happens yeah. around that time. Um, yeah. But it was a surprise to me when I heard this record because musically I went, oh, this doesn't sound like a Lou Reed record to no. me. All the stuff I'd heard before, like growing up, was all, yeah. you know, all of the drudgy, I'm a bit miserable kind of... Or, wanting to be Leonard Cohen almost kind of yeah. sound. Oh, yeah. Good description, actually. Whereas this, I went, oh, hello, it's Talking Heads or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It had more of that kind of 80s poppy new fun vibe. Sort of yeah, yeah, the new wave vibe. Um, yeah. So it was a surprise, but it was a good surprise. Yeah. Like, I just wasn't expecting it. Like, you could have put any other name on it and it would have been a really good record. Like, it yes. didn't have to ride on it being Lou Reed. Yeah. And I think that goes to credit with the band that he was playing with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, um, you know, and I've gone, I've actually looked on YouTube and there's some great live performances that they've done. And you can see um, Fernando Saunders is like, he's like the leader of the band. He looks like he's the leader of the band. Like he's there and he's got his bass and he's, it's kind of, he starts it off. You know, he starts the music off and he's got connecting with the guitarist and the drummer. And then Lou's kind of looking a bit apprehensive. I don't know what's going on in his head. I mean, there's probably a lot going on in Lou Reed's head at that time. I don't know. But he looked a bit nervous. But it was really the band that really just kind of solidified that live performance. And it was like, and then Lou kind of loosens up a little bit. And it was just really, yeah. I I think the band is has to be credited for that in the sense Mm -hmm. of that energy that is on the record. It's a real band record, Mm. and that's what. And I know there was a bit of conflict with the. you know, I mean, I only read this via the so you know via the internet, Platforms, the interweb. Yeah. But um, supposedly the the original guitarist was a bit, you know, I think he was dropped off the record or something happened. Right. But mm. but again, Fernando Saunas tr- came in with his guitar, and, <laughs> but Lou played guitar on it as well. And, but it's a real band record. I, I I love bands. You know, I love kind of the importance of a band mm-hmm. uh, for a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, for me, that's a really good record in the sense of everyone's playing really well and it's it feels like it's a good band yeah. awesome. cool awesome final pitch at all yeah anything you want people to check out on yes. the album any like one song you think would be good if someone never heard any Lou Reed stuff before yeah okay let me think I think just looking at the list of the songs yes. here somewhere um, I'm thinking I mean Endlessly Jealous is a great song mm-hmm. but I love my friend George. That's one. Okay. The- yes, I love that because I'm called George. George. Hey. <laughs> and it's such a great name for a song. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a, it's a great awesome. song. Adele, it's thanks a- very much for for coming on board. Yeah. Much appreciated. You're welcome, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to <laughs> chat about Lou Reed, new sensations. No worries. Thank you. Bye. Uh, what's up? I'm Georgia from Mother Erin. I'm Quinn, also from Mother Erin. 
and uh, the album we've nominated is London Calling by The Clash. Fantastic. Good choice. Yeah. So what made you choose this album and, and The Clash in particular? I mean, it's one of the original punk bands we got into when we were getting into like the classics. Nice. Uh, when I was like 14, 13, 14, uh, I was getting into the Sex Pistols mm -hmm. and then I ended up finding The Clash through them. Yep. And I feel like they were a really good guidance through punk because yeah. they had such a good message to send. And um, Joe Strummer was very adamant that being punk isn't about being an asshole. Yeah, it's, um, nice. <laughs> it's uh, completely different. And um, London Calling kind of, um, I guess, London Calling um, showed that through the combination of uh, genres that they had. Yeah. And punk didn't just have to be one thing. You could be anything you wanted it to be. And that's what I really liked about it. Nice. They were one of the first punk bands I found that really promoted the ideology of punk that I appreciated. Like, Sex Pistols were the image, and then Clash is what punk should be about. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read in an article somewhere, I don't remember where it was from, but I read it when I was like 13, and someone said, uh, the Sex Pistols made you want to bash your head against a wall, and the Clash gave you a reason to. Nice. Which kind of, I guess, you know, that's... Like, yeah. they had a message, yeah. and yeah. you had to listen to it. And yeah, like, they had a really great message, and they had, like, I guess, groove, you could call it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, so London Calling is the third studio album by the band, and it was originally released as a double album in the UK in December 1979. UK! And, UK! <laughs> and then January 1980 in the US. So, yeah, it was their third album. It's the one that everyone sort of talks about being the one where they sort of started incorporating a lot of different styles into their sound. Like, I think they, they do a really good job of keeping the, the Clash style together while incorporating heaps of different elements, different sort of styles. So there's reggae, there's jazz, there's soul, there's funk, there's all sorts of stuff on this album. Yeah. So, yeah, what sort of drew you to it in the... Like, did you love it right from the start when you first time you heard it? Um, for me, because I was so used to the Sex Pistols kind of stuff, it took me a while to adjust to it. Yeah. But once I adjusted to it, I couldn't get enough of it. I listened to it over and over again. Ridiculous. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I kind of heard it and I heard the crazy combination of genres and I was instantly like, oh my god, this has blown my mind. I love it. Yeah. And then I started getting into like the themes of the album and I think they're still super relevant today, mm. which is crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a real timeless album. Mm. And it had three singles. And it had, did have three singles. Which is kind of rare for for kind of rare for like lots of punk bands at the time and didn't really bring out loads of singles but yeah. uh, it made sense for The Clash because even though they were a punk band with a good message they still were kind of radio friendly in yeah. some yeah. ways yeah. But, but they but epitomised punk right yeah. like you wouldn't like put them as a pop band yeah. they were definitely still a punk band and it was band. a big thing for a punk band to be on the radio which yeah. they were which mm. was really cool bringing it to the mainstream which some people would argue wasn't a good thing but yeah. I think it was <laughs> very cool yeah so yeah, so UK punk band, but they were still radio friendly and still on the radio now, people still play it. And then I think London Calling with the lead off single is a really good example of what they were trying to do with this album as well, which is it's not going to be bratty three chord punk, but it's still going to be that snarl and the sneer of Joe Strummer. And yeah, it was a really cool choice for that first single. Yeah, there's so much in that album. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of political messages did you get from it that you still think are relevant? There was a lot of political messages that are still relevant. Um, there was one like that I really like about how um, consumerism causing political apathy, and I think that can be applied a lot to social media now. I mean, as well as still consumerism, like um, people not going out to vote, or in America, people assuming that like Hillary would win because of what they saw in social media, and then not actually going out to vote. Yeah, and it's also widespread political apathy. It's also relevant. Um, here with um I guess you get a lot here when you come to vote where people are like you shouldn't waste your vote on this party or this party because only Labour or Liberal will win um I guess it's still really uh, and then people don't get seats because you don't vote for them yeah. yeah yeah the message is still prominent today and it still applies 
So it's, yeah, it's really, it's an amazingly constructed album. So it's 19 songs across two albums. And obviously it was released on vinyl the first time. So they had to think about all four sides of all, like the two sides of both albums and what they were going to start and stop with. And I find like they're really good little clumps of five songs all sort of stuck together. And they've got a few covers thrown in there and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, it's really like they obviously put a lot of thought into, especially considering they were coming off like a year of writer's block as well. So they hadn't written anything for over a year, which is really rare for them yeah. at the time. And they just sort of scrapped everything they were trying to do and were just stayed. I think maybe the writer's block came from for, trying to force themselves into what they were trying to do before. Whereas once they were like, oh no, we're open, we can try some new styles and new sounds. And they got horns in and they got... One of the things I read was that they, they started noticing their drummer was really good. Which I thought was an interesting, <laughs> interesting thing to discover at album number three. Is like, So they would bring in new styles. And they're like, oh, he's, he can still drum that. Okay, what else can you drum? And he could just do whatever they needed him to do, which is really cool. And that allowed them and gave them the confidence to sort of expand their style out from there. Something really cool that I remember from them was the fact they addressed racial conflict yeah, uh, yeah. In, the, in the UK. And bringing in reggae sounds which was really important in punk at the time like for like non-sex pistols and stuff whatever and he had bands like x-ray specs come around and he had the scar movement and everything else like they addressed it full-on as the as a white guy writing about the racial conflicts that were happening within the uk like yeah. that was a really really strong thing to do yeah on an album on like when you knew that it was going to be a popular album because they'd built themselves up and this everyone expected this third record to be important so yeah. it was it became that I'd probably say this is my most important clash like record yeah mm. I like to kind of describe the album as fuck you with a purpose yeah <laughs> so I guess the Sex Pistols was just a lot of fuck you without like a real goal um, and Joe Strummer like put forward like really important ideologies and morals and was actually like active in what he believed in yeah oh yeah because really he would um participate they, in like charity runs and yeah. stuff like that yeah and they would play like charity shows and all this stuff so they actually lived the message that they were singing about they weren't just they weren't just mindless um, angry rage monsters like yeah, <laughs> yeah. um joe had a lot of um friends that were of color and so he learned a lot of uh, a lot of, about a lot of the issues through them and actually used his position to like share that message. Yeah, yeah. he used his, um, I guess, power as a white person yeah. in music to be able to talk about something that maybe people of color wouldn't get to say as loud as he could because of the color of their skin and the mm. way they were treated at the time. And that's still, like, from my perspective, being from the UK, still there, still, yeah. Yeah. like... It's still in, an impactful record, but unfortunately, some of the things he talks these things about is are still prevalent today. Mm -hmm. oh, have you ever been to the UK? Uh, no, but I was born there. Ah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so yes. Well, I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you have. Come back at the end of the year. <laughs> awesome. There you go. And you're playing music now. Do mm -hmm. you find yourself influenced by this record? Yeah, very much. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I like the idea of combining different styles to create your own kind of punk. Yes. Punk to me is doing whatever you want and I guess fuck anyone if they don't like it as long as you aren't hurting people, then, you know? <laughs> and I, I love the um, creativity and the freedom of punk, so I love the idea of combining different styles to create your own sound that no one's heard before and using music to spread a message and a very important one. And what kind of messages do, do you want to share? What are you singing about? I'm in, I'm curious. Um, we're very... We tend to write a lot of feminist, angry feminist stuff. Yeah. The last one we played on our set... <laughs> the last one we played on our set, Take It As A Compliment, was... um. It's a very feminist kind of song because I got very angry about something that had happened to me a while ago and I got incredibly angry about it one night and I just wrote this... This fuck you song about you know how I shouldn't take it as a compliment when someone treats me badly you know that's awesome nice. and you feel empowered to do that in yeah your, in, through your music it's amazing yeah. and I want to empower other young women um, through the music we create and make it really obvious that like you can do it like you can do exactly what all these other guys and bands do like it doesn't make a difference and just because someone tells you you shouldn't do something or you can't do something doesn't mean that you actually can't do it and I want to also spread sorry I'm talking a lot but that's uh, all good <laughs> I also want to spread the message that like I, I write a lot of songs that are like you are not alone 
because mm -hmm. as someone who's struggled with mental illness for a long time and have a lot of friends, has a lot of friends that struggle with mental illness, I love spreading the message that you are not alone and it will get better. And like there is, it's never that bad that you have to do horrible things to yourself. So you're taking albums like this and really living it yourself yeah. and using your own platform. Yeah. So you are, you could be like the next strummer. <laughs> I'd love to be. <laughs> He's amazing. Awesome. So then I guess just to wrap up, if there's any um, anyone out there who hasn't heard this album, is there any particular songs or anything that you'd like them to sort of check out as it's just a bit of like a snapshot of it? Ooh. I mean, London Calling, obviously. <laughs> Lost in the Supermarket and Jimmy Jazz. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy I'd Jazz say is fantastic. Jenny yeah. Jones as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good choices. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining us today. And, um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you for bringing so the clash. Thanks, Thanks. guys. I'm all lost in the supermarket. I come along and shop So uh, I, my name's Alex, I'm from Full Power Happy Hour and the album that um, we're talking about today is Take Care, Take Cover by The Maze. And uh, I'm Grace, I'm also from Full Power Happy Hour. I don't know this, the album that Alex has chosen, but um, <laughs> she's taught me a lot over the last uh, little while that we've been playing together, so I look forward to hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the nice. honesty is welcome. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, thank you for bringing the album. So um, would you like to tell us what uh, drew you to the album the, the, in the first, what drew you to nominate the album as being flawless? Um, yeah, well, I was thinking about the idea of a flawless album and there's probably only like maybe three or four albums that um, I sort of can listen to over and over again. I can listen to it you know, from start to finish every mm -hmm. day and not get sick of it. And I yep. think that that's what an al like a flawless album means to me yep. sort of thing. Sure. So um, this was one of them, yeah. Um, this is the first time I heard this band, so um, I was pretty, like, blown away by it. And yep. it kind of, I guess it is kind of an influence, well, the band is an influence on Full Power Happy Hour because mm -hmm. um, they're super folky yep. and, like, I guess um, they're really, really... Um, successful they're a really successful folk band and I suppose it was the first time that I was like oh okay like there's there are people out there who actually really like this genre of music and so it made me kind of brave enough to give yeah. it a go awesome. as well <laughs> fantastic so how did you discover them how did someone play them for you or um, did you hear on the radio my sister saw them play at a folk festival in Victoria I can't remember the name of the folk festival but yeah, she saw them play and was like, you have to hear this band, they're yep. amazing, linked me to the album and yeah, I was Quick. also amazed. Cool. <laughs> and it sort of, did it grab you right from that first listen or did it take a few times to really get into it? No, it, it grabbed me straight away. Um, like I think it was, it's just something about, because they're sisters and like you can hear that they're so close, like yep. because you can hear that in the music because it's just... The flawless harmonies, like yeah. it's, the harmonies are just amazing. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. It reminded me a lot of First Aid Kit. Yeah, Be definitely. Sisters, yeah. harmonies, their vocal, they their vocals work so beautifully together yes. that you yeah. listen to it and it's almost like it could be the same person harmonizing over themselves. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I saw them live and they were that comfortable with each other on stage that it was, yeah. Incredible. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so Take Cover was uh, released in 2017. It is an Australian album. It was recorded in Nashville with producer Eric Jaskowiak, and it was awarded the Best Folk Roots album by the Age Music Victoria Awards as well. So, obviously, very critically acclaimed right from the start, even if it, I guess that sort of stuff doesn't get a lot of mainstream radio attention in, at the moment, but um, we can only hope that one day the cycles <laughs> will come back and it'll I bring am it back pro around. Folk. 
Yeah, I'm, you. So in Flawless, um, of the three that have usually run this, um, I'm the person who's been winning, and I've won with two <laughs> British folk artists. So both Nick Drake and Laura Marling. So, oh, Laura Marling I is love them huge. Both. Yeah. yeah, so um, I totally got... <laughs> Uh, flawless because it has to be unanimous when we do it normally oh, wow, and I got a flawless from both Liam and Grant and uh, they were very annoyed because <laughs> neither of them have won for a long time so the folk genre is that something that you would usually be really into Alex um I've actually since I was a kid really loved like Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell like just because my mum listens to like those kind of artists but um like yeah, I went through a stage where I didn't like it. Like, I just loved punk and rock. It was in my ragey teenage, yeah. early 20s <laughs> years. So, yeah, folk just didn't, you know, like, hit the mark with... <laughs> yeah, it was too gentle, I guess. Yeah, because it's a really... This album is really... All the songs are just so gentle and so well-constructed. And, like, you can hear every gentle pluck of a guitar string. And it's just... it's Like, it's not easy listening, but it's just easy to listen to and just get lost and sort of lose your head inside this and then the beautiful vocal harmonies that they do with one another is just amazing all the way through yeah definitely i know i just feel like every song is like it they, they use similar chords and stuff but mm. it just doesn't sound the same like yeah. it's just each song is just so like unique and mm. yeah yeah cool so did you have any favorite songs from the album anything that sort of really grabbed your attention Ooh, um well, Take Out, Take Cover is, I think, the best song off the album. Um, it's it's just sort of the catchiest and um, so the, is that lyri- the a, lyrics are amazing. Is that Parallel Park? Sorry, that, Parallel Park. That's so good. Park. I just didn't want Yeah, like, Yeah, sorry. Parallel Park. Which is the song yes. where they say the name of the, the album over and over again. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Take Care, Take Cover. Yeah. That's all good. Um, yeah, Parallel I, I've Park. I've got the name. I'm cheating. I've got the name. The <laughs> song's you. in front of me. I didn't just pull it out of my brain. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Parallel Park is, I think, is the best song. Um, but, oh, yeah, I can't really... Grandma's House is also yeah. amazing. Um, I don't know. They're, they're all amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's got... There's like It's like a real, like, Tales of Australiana sort of feel to it. Yeah. So, you you know, it's Tales of Australian suburban living and growing up with parents and sunsets and playing outside and all that stuff. So, there's, like, yeah, real connection that makes... I can't believe I don't Australians. know this album. This sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good. You should right? check it out. And yeah. then, Me too. Yeah, Parallel Park is really great. Like, it starts off soft and then it builds up and then right around the halfway point, horns... George, yeah. you're going to love it. The yeah. horns kick in. I am pro horns. Uh, <laughs> when it comes in, I'm pro horns, hand claps, uh, and, and obscure yeah. instruments. And, and, and woes. Yeah, and woes. Yeah, woes yeah. and oys. Well, there's no woes, there's no woes and woes. Or oys in this. Yeah, this we've discovered not... in a year and a half of podcasting that there are particular things that tick boxes for me. There was a flugel horn earlier. Just saying. Yeah. Um, wow. I really enjoyed Mr. Moon. Because mm. um, I originally, I accidentally had it on shuffle. And so I didn't listen to it like all the way through like normally. And so I was just like, oh, what an odd choice for a second song. Um, <laughs> but then it came on and it was just a really pretty like chew, like ditty, like a really yeah, sweet song. That one's a bit more upbeat and punchy, but mm. not without losing the heart of what it is that makes their songs really great. So that one's, yeah, I really like that one too. And, and I'm I am embarrassed I'd not heard them before because I love bands like again First Aid Kit and Moulettes mm. and then Laura Marling's like one of my idols so listening yeah. to female fronted folk mm. um, and guitar guitar led like folk with the odd strings and stuff beautiful yeah yeah they haven't got that main mainstream success I guess but mm. um, they're really big overseas but I guess that's like. That's the case for a lot of bands in Australia. Australian um, folk bands just do crazy well overseas. Yeah. They're just like, Australia itself was just not that interested and then they just do massively over here and then they come yeah. back and we're like, oh, we loved you all along. But, yeah, yeah. They would have had to go overseas if that was true. Yes. Yeah. So you said you've seen them live. I did, yeah. Where was that? Uh, that was at Lefties. Oh, wow. Um, nice. Yeah, it was such a That would be intimate. Sh- oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was perfect for them. I think that a bigger venue would not... Well, I mean, it would still be good, but yeah. Um, and they're just uh, like seasoned performers. Like, I guess because um, they're sister, like the two front um, lead singers are sisters, so they're so used to playing around at home. So I guess they just have this really comfortable kind of feeling on stage. And mm. It really, yeah, it shows. So, yeah. So you mentioned <laughs> earlier that you think the band's been 
bit of an influence on you and your musical stuff as well. How do you think sort of is it instrument wise or is it the way they craft their songs? What sort of how does that sort of work for you? Um like they their songs probably have had an influence. Um but it was more just that I saw a really successful folk band that um and I really loved them and they had, you know, not a huge following in Australia, but there was people who really appreciated that genre and that just kind of inspired me to, um, like, because I've had these songs for a long time, but I've been not brave enough to bring them out because I yeah. kind of just thought, you know, they just wouldn't be appreciated. But sure. yeah, so I guess, yeah, the, the maze just inspired me to start the band, I guess. Yeah. And you both awesome. play guitar and sing in your mm. band. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm hearing a lot of, um, a lot of this chat is making sense the kind of direction that you're giving with the songs that Alex brings because when we practice and develop all the songs Alex comes with like a really clear melody and clear guitar parts and then is always like harmonies work with your harmonies <laughs> this is always making this is all yeah. coming together now and it's making so much sense yeah exactly yeah yeah, I'm pretty obsessed with harmonies. <laughs> I love harmonies too. I think we, yeah, we need to. I'm a sucker for harmonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. so fun. So fun. Pro harmonies. Yeah, pro harmonies. <laughs> How many, what's the most amount of like people that sing in the band? On any given song. Oh, on on any given song. do you? How many people sing at the same time? All harmonising? Five, yeah. Nice. All five of us. We haven't nailed all... Oh, no, wait, we do have a song where all five yeah. of us harmonise. Yeah, that's nice. right. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so take that maze. That <laughs> right? Like but two of you. Two I mean, of you. I did say we did it. <laughs> doesn't matter. Do they, it. One thing is they do have what they call the ever-expanding choir. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. It's one of their um, like additional... Um, uh, musicians to the band is called the, uh, like uh, the, is attributed on the liner notes is yeah the ever expanding choir which I thought was a really sweet <laughs> way of awesome. saying we keep collecting good people yeah. and yeah. putting them on our records that is really good and they use that on the last um, only ever growing the final song of the album gets the big choir finish but not like in a way that a big fist up rock band would get a big choir <laughs> finish it's still it's still toned down and still quiet but it's it's their big choir finish so mm. I think it's really cool yeah it's a really sweet album so, if you had to get someone to listen to a song or Say some part Grace, of it, for instance, so yeah, who yeah, never, who, oh who'd gosh, never heard the album before, what, yeah, who'd never heard the album before, what would you pitch them? What would you say is the the song they should check out? Oh, what song? Um, I think Parallel Park because mm -hmm. it's um, it, like it could be a pop song even. Like yeah. I don't know, it's like it's getting totally. that way. It's so catchy and yeah, the way it just sort of builds is yeah. really cool. So awesome. Well, writing this down right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's the maze is M A E S. Yes. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much for joining us today and for thank bringing uh, Take Care, Take Cover. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Hi, I'm Vic from Some Jerks and I nominated um, Hunk Pepper by The Throwing Muses. Fantastic. So, what made you choose that particular album? Um, well, I, it was probably like the first album that popped into my head mm -hmm. when Sime told me about this podcast. But um, I chose the album because it had a big influence on me at the time, which was about 19... God, 90... 1989 it came no, out? No, well, it came out in 1989, yep. mm -hmm. but I didn't hear it until about 1992, so I'd sort of oh, okay. just finished school, and a friend of mine sort of said to me, oh, hey, I've got this band that you'd probably really dig, and he put on Hunk Pepper, and it just blew me away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was the first album that introduced me to 
um, the Throwing Muses. So yeah, that's why well, I picked it. So have you stuck with Throwing Muses over the years since then? Um, yeah, I mean, it, occasionally I go back to that album, but I still, I still, yeah, I still classify them as one of my favourite bands. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So what what was it? Do you think that drew you to the album? when you sort of your friend played it for you? Um, I think it was probably Kristen Hirsch's voice, her mm-hmm. vocals, yep. um, and Tanya Donnelly's vocals. Um, they both kind of have this sort of vulnerability about their voices that I really dig. Um, they both have this way where they sort of, like Tanya Donnelly is kind of sweet, and then when she gets intense, she's um, she has this, thing about a voice that just cracks yep. with sort of intensity and it's the same with Kristen Hirsch although she's kind of got this sort of indifferent kind of drawl it's almost yeah. like she's really <laughs> quite lazy when she's mm-hmm. sort of singing but then she gets this like crazy intensity and then her voice kind of breaks and it's yeah yeah and I'd never really heard anything like that before so I was kind of holy shit that's yeah. <laughs> just amazing and then it was just like the melodies and I always thought that um, Tanya Donnelly and Kristen Hirsch's voices blended really nicely together as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and the guitars, the different dynamics throughout the songs, the time changes. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I, I came to them backwards because I, I, yeah. I had belly and breeders. Yes. And so that's the Tanya Donnelly stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, where did she come from? Um, so, and then it was um, hearing, then throwing music. So, it was, so I had a bit of a weird like river bend to get to <laughs> for yeah. listening to them but but yeah it's true like they do work well together yeah uh, but you can tell when they're each it, when it's a different person singing oh yeah totally because mm. tanya donnelly's got that sort of pop voice about mm-hmm. her and it's so sweet and pop Kristen's is a little bit more and this was my first crazy i'd heard of throwing music but this was my first exposure to a full-length album of theirs yeah. and i i knew they were sort of iconic without ever having been super mainstream popular or anything like that and right off the bat you can just tell it's like oh yeah I know where all the bands that I listen to coming through and even now where they drew what they needed from this sort of band like any sort of lo-fi indie sort of pop stuff you can yeah. go oh yeah no, you just grab what you needed from that and really yeah. sort of use it from there yeah so speaking of which as a musician yourself yeah. do you feel that uh, this album or their throwing muses in general has influenced what you do and how you put your songs together um, probably Oh, maybe, maybe a, a little bit. Like, I think I was probably more influenced at the start by Tanya Donnelly mm-hmm. and Belly. Yep. More than the Throwing Muses. I think it was, yeah, I think it was because it was probably a little bit more pop. Um, but uh, I guess maybe the drums, maybe the dynamics, because we're, we're quite into different dynamics and stuff in the songs these days. And Syme definitely likes different like sort of time changes and things in the songs but I don't know I wouldn't call it a I wouldn't call them like a major influence I I think there's like so many different influences within the band it's hard to sort of say for me what is a major yeah and this came to you like you said when you were like around school kind of age yeah just finished just finished school high school in 91 and um yeah, so I mean, I'd been listening to Sonic Youth, the Pixies, um, the Smiths, and bands like that. Yeah. And then this friend was like, "Yeah, you really need to listen to this band. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> band and Mud Honey and yeah. of course, because they're still like an indie band, but, yeah. uh, but they've got the pop element, but they're not yeah. a pop band. No, no, no I think it's, it's definitely. I think it was definitely Tanya Donnelly's influence. Mm. Even though With she's sweet, sweet as like, and she does sound really sweet on it, she still doesn't sound like I'm a little pop star. Yeah. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah, they're not like pop pop stars, but they've got mm. that pop sort of. Well, Tanya Donnelly, I think, did have that pop element to her songwriting a little bit. And then the back half of the album gets almost quite country. Like the second yeah. half is like a lot of acoustic guitar. Some yeah. at one point almost very bluegrass. There's so like on the burrow, it's sort of yeah, <laughs> yeah, violin and and yeah, yeah. really sort of. So the, the back half really kind of, sort of takes a bit of a shift. In yeah. Sort of, yeah, that sort of old sort country of like sort of a stuff. Deep southern yeah. sort of influence there. Yeah. Mm. This was their it's third record. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. the third one. And then so there was the real Ramona after that, I think. Was that? I think. That's a good. I don't have my list. No. Sorry. I think, yeah, the real Ramona, I think, came out after that. Because I think Hunk Pepper didn't actually do that well. It was an album that didn't 
from what I read, did it has, you? So well, which kind of spun single. me out because I still thought it was a really good so album. So it peaked at number 59 on the UK album charts. Yeah. And then it was Enemy named it the 33rd best album 1989. So it feels like it might have been critically lauded right from the start, but mm. still not ever the sort of thing that people really got into a lot. Yeah. And Dizzy was the only single. Yes. Yes. And it does stand out, I think, Dizzy. I, I really yeah. love Dizzy. Yeah, it's a really, really cute cool. song. Mm. I like that one. I like, um, but I think the two that really, Devil's Roof was, I think, because it was the first one. Yeah. So I'll always go so back always to that one. And then there's impression. Dragonhead, because that's. Dragonhead's Tanya, amazing. Tanya yeah. Donnelly. And yeah, and just like that yeah. two part song as oh, well. Like it just, yeah. mid song is just like, nope, this is a completely different song now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sweet and then just. Yeah. Heavy as. Hmm. Did you have any other song, any other favourite songs on the album? Um, I can't, I can't think right now. Um, um, probably, oh, maybe B. Mm-hmm. So that one, because there's just like different time changes and stuff in that one. That one's a good one. Um, oh, look, they're all good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. It's an album I can still listen to and not take off the turntable which yeah. is like a lot of so, so you have it on vinyl yes yes that's I been our thing for today it's oh, been I do everything everyone's got vinyl. everything on vinyl I, and it's been great i don't know where did i i think i just found it in a secondhand music store on vinyl and i was like yeah. yes thank you <laughs> oh, so that, was, nice that wasn't how happened. you originally had it so you'd sort of you'd maybe had it on disc for a while and then you saw it in vinyl and grabbed it well it was my friends and so it was yeah. like you know the whole share household thing right. and i didn't yeah. have to get it and yeah. then when i was out one day i just saw it on vinyl and went nah, yeah Take cool that. now you own it now it's part of you pardon now it's now it's part of you because you've got your own vinyl yes, copy of it that's fine vi- that's awesome copy of it it is like throwing muses are known as being like iconic in the kind of indie pop yeah. scene like scene and I, they, I came to them too late, I think, which was a real shame. But coming back to them, like listening for this podcast, I was like, oh man, there's so many of the bands I then listened to in the mid to late 90s that were heavily influenced, especially in the UK. Yeah. And it's interesting you said it, that they charted in the UK and they were on enemies list. Yeah. So Yeah, because they, they were part of that 4AD crowd. Yeah. Record company, 4AD. Oh. So they had like that kind of influence mm. over there and, and I like I'm just repping anything that's had a UK influence today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been good so how do you think it holds up against other sort of throwing muse throwing muses albums um or compared, I haven't sorry. really listened to um I haven't even listened to the real Ramona in a long time okay I think it's it's still the one that I think I go back to yeah um, because it was the first one that just kind of blew me away. And I tend to do that with lots of bands. Yep. So, I mean, it might be their shittest album, but for some reason, like, I'll just still go back to the first album that kind of got me into a band, even if it's, like, their crappiest album. <laughs> it's the one that I'll just, yeah, because it's, it's just, I don't know, it just blew me away and it's, I guess, yeah. that nostalgic thing as well. Totally. Well, you've got yeah. the emotional attachment and the rem- yeah. like the memory of your friend playing it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I still remember it vividly the day that he played it for me. Cool. I just sat there, just, whoa. Yeah. I did the same when I first heard Belly. I remember yeah. being sat in my friend's like yep. house and he had lived in this really stanky like shared house and he was like, oh, you've got to listen to this album. You've got to listen to this album. Then I was like, and he kept playing so many, so many, so many. And then I went, stop. I like this one. Finally, <laughs> we've got somewhere. And so, yeah, and then he played that. And then from then played other stuff in the vein. And so I was like, oh. And so I didn't know that there was like even the connection because until I researched yeah. it for the podcast. Mm. Yeah. So now I'm like going, oh, man, there's so much history that I have no idea about when it comes to like that era of people yeah. like Tanya Donnelly was attached to three bands that yeah. influenced so many other bands. I used to... um. Uh, I used to really get into Juliana Hatfield as well, and I got to see <gasps> Belly and Juliana Hatfield at I think QUT. No way! Yeah, they nice. toured, and it was like it was one of the best gigs ever. It was so good. I still cover Juliana Hatfield on the guitar when I play wow. open mic nights. <laughs> yeah, I loved Juliana Hatfield, and I think I heard her in the maybe in the Blake Babies first. 
think. Okay. She was in a band called the Blake Babies. Right. It's just that, you know, college yeah. rock kind of thing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So just to wrap up as a bit of a final pitch, if someone hasn't heard this album, is there a particular song or a particular part to it that you think they should check out? Just shove it on track one, side just one, track one, start. and just let it go. Let it go. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's so much happening in each song. There's just so much happening. Yeah. So awesome. you just, yeah, let it go. Sit back. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, thank you very much for joining thank us today. Thank you. Thank you.